0: It is the beginning of the week of fresh brand new week. Welcome ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, of course, James Murphy, aka Murph. And thank you for joining me so much for this episode. I am very excited. We have a lot to get into. But first... We got to get the pleasantries out of the way. Hopefully, you were able to have a wonderful weekend. We did have a little bit of rain, a little bit of precipitation, but it was relatively nice out. I mean, it wasn't really freezing cold in some areas at least. So hopefully, with that, warm weather is on the horizon as we've had a few or a couple nice days in the past that are behind us. And we are looking ahead towards spring as we turn the page over to March 1st. Well, with that being said, hopefully you had a wonderful, fun, safe weekend, but like I said, we do have a ton to get into, so I just kind of want to jump right into it, but first, I do have to reiterate the giveaway that I am having for this podcast, and this podcast is going is giving away an Amazon gift card. It's very simple to join. All you have to do is either reach out to me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, um, however you can get a hold of me. It's literally it. You don't have to do anything else. If you tweet at me, if you DM me, if you comment on a picture on Instagram, whatever, that's how you do it. And you can find me at Merce underscore Boston ST, where the ST stands for sports talk as always. And that is where you can reach out to me to enter yourself into the giveaway. That's literally all you have to do. But I guess you kind of have to listen to the podcast in order to find out. Once we reach a thousand downloads, then I will be doing the giveaway with the wheel where the wheel decide for all the participants that are involved I will give it a thousand spins it's going to spin 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 and whoever it lands on is going to receive the Amazon gift card so more entries means a better gift card but as of now it is going to be an Amazon gift card the amount is just questionable based off of the participants but with that being said let's just jump right into quick hits quick so Kevin Durant has been dealing with an injury the past couple weeks or so and even though he is a captain in the all-star game he will not be playing in said all-star game and that is where Jason Tatum will um, get promoted in the starting role for Kevin Durant. Now Kevin Durant will still be the captain and he will still pick the roster for his team however like I said he won't be playing where Jason Tatum will be stepping up and in order to fill Kevin Durant's role on the team Demonis Sabonis is filling in for him on the all-star roster. So both players well-deserving and Sabonis um, getting the All-Star nod and Jason Tatum getting the All-Star starting nod. Um, I know I said I wasn't going to mention anything Celtics, but I do want to mention that because I think that is a big moment for Jason Tatum and that is all I'm going to talk about with the Celtics. Moving on to the Boston Bruins, they lost 6-2 to the New York Rangers on Friday. It was very ugly, um, especially after I said that they were going to be okay on Friday's episode come later that night, the game. They get absolutely smoked however on sunday they did come back and they did win four to one against the same new york rangers charlie Coyle netted two goals and it was a good response to a little bit of a recent struggle patch very promising very nice to see that the bruins were able to um rebound from a recent struggle hopefully this can kind of vault them into more success down the road as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline for the nhl now in other Bruins news, they did sign defenseman Jared Tenoldi. Tenoldi. Yes, Tenoldi. And I am no, uh, I did play one year of hockey, but I am no stud in terms of, you know, you know, extra statistics or advanced analytics when it comes to hockey. I mean, I think advanced analytics are kind of stupid. But in the 2021 NHL season this year, Tenoldi has played in seven games. He has zero goals, zero assists, zero points, and his plus minus is minus one. Like I said, I'm no advanced analytic major, no advanced analytic guy. I just look at the stats. I watch the game with my eyes, and I kind of make my, my opinions that way. But I do know that a player with no points is relatively not good. And you could say, like, oh, they do more locker room guy, you know, mentor, motivator, da 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 Okay, fair. But I think a plus-minus of minus one in seven games. I mean, I guess you could say he's not losing any games, but he's also not winning any games. And I guess whatever. I mean, he's a left-shot defenseman, which is something that the Bruins kind of need right now with Grizzlick and Miller both out. So I guess from the Bruins' perspective that this is just straightly a depth move, which is totally fine if that is the case. I really don't see this guy coming in and making a huge impact revolving around the team. Um, sticking with the Bruins, with the trade deadline coming up, you know there are some moves that need to be made clearly for this team, whether it is extra defensive help or whether it is getting top six um, forward help. And I'm a big proponent of both. I've been saying this. Um, pretty much the start of the season ever since I started this podcast I've been saying that the Bruins need to get some help the top six for the forwards and you know just straight up defensive help and I think they should really focus on getting elite talent the top six forward position because the Bruins are a very good team as it is right now though they're injured though they have a young defensive core they're still very very good but what is going to put them over the top Getting a middle of the line forward, kind of like they have in the past, yes, it's nice. It'll get you to the playoffs, give you a deep run, but it's not going to win you the cup. Getting an extra defenseman, okay, but when everyone's healthy, where are they going to play? Because your defensive core, or your six guys that play night in, night out, when healthy, is a very good, young, strong core. So that's why I kind of propose that the Bruins, I almost at Celtics, that the Bruins go out and get elite talent. Like, I've heard rumors around the street, Jack Eichel, Sidney Crosby, Patrick Kane, big A-list tier one names. You know, all three of those teams are underperforming this year. You know, Bruins need elite talent, and those three players are elite talent who will put you over the top. It's easier said than done, trust me, but I think this is something that the Bruins should really strongly consider. Now you could also ask, hey, what are they going to give up? Well, that's an excellent question besides draft picks. They don't really have a lot of good You know top tier prospects to move so it does kind of put them in a pickle in a sticky situation It's just something that's gonna have to play itself out You know how desperate do these teams want to move these players if they want to move them at all? I feel like in order to get one of these three guys you're gonna have to put a Massive package on the table where it's gonna have to really blow the um, the other team away but we'll just have to wait and see as the trade deadline gets closer and closer, if the uh, gee, oh my goodness, I almost said the Patriots. If the Bruins, huh, if the Bruins can make a move, you know, to bring in, it doesn't have to be one of those three guys, but top six level talent for their forwards, I really think that could really put them over the top, uh, because you know the Lightning are still there; they're still a really good team. I mean, you're struggling with the Rangers clearly, and just with everything kind of mixed up this this year. In terms of the divisions, it's kind of a little spicy, and you just kind of want to get into—you don't want to get into the playoffs and just ride the wave and then lose semifinals or the um, conference finals. You want to win the cup. You're doing really well this year. You have the players; they're only getting older. Um, Marshan, Bergeron, Krejci—they're only getting older. So being oh, Tugaraski even this is last year of his contract. So to really capitalize on a year where everything's kind of, you know, mixed up and out of order, plus you've been really good this year, there's no need to take advantage of it and go out, take a chance, bring in top-level talent. So that's my Bruins take of the day. I do have some other topics I want to get into, but beforehand, beforehand I got a little bit of a, a little surprise for the show. So obviously you all know that I really love to have fun. I love to hang loose. I just love to ride ride it out and kind of take where this podcast goes with each and every day. Obviously because it's unscripted and it's unbiased. I do I must say I do have some notes so I can refer to some talking points yada yada yada. Anyways, I want to bring this podcast and the show more to life and I think the best way to do that Is through sound effects yes and how well Murph how are you gonna have sound effects on when you're recording you know I can download you know sound effects from like YouTube or whatever and then put them in you know but that's all in the background but I could do it in the moment so let's say um, hmm let's say breaking news drops right and for example for example I turned onto Twitter before I started recording and I see this wonderful tweet from Field Yates and it says JJ Watt has updated his Peloton bio and it now reads Super Bowl fifty-six dot 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 G B dot dot C L E dot 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 B U F. Huh. Now to me, obviously, if anyone is anybody. They read that and say, Super Bowl 56, Green Bay, Packers, Cleveland Browns, or Buffalo Bills, kind of hinting that J.J. Watt is probably considering one of those three teams, or he really wants to go to one of those three teams. So my perspective and your perspective, that's kind of breaking news right now, because as it stands, probably every team is on the market right now to sign J.J. Watt except the Texans. However, to him kind of say that, ooh, Super Bowl 56, Green Bay, Cleveland, Buffalo, I think is a little bit of a breaking news and that, um, that calls for, yes. So I, I have a ton of these sound effects that I'm going to play throughout the course of, you know, the episodes moving forward. I'll play a few of them now for you. We have an applause, you know, if I have a bad take or if I see something, you know, like a bad take on online, going to boo them. Um, let's see if there are major major breaking news gotta have the horn sound off and then obviously on wednesdays i love to introduce the episode as hump day day, yeah Yeah. so i'm gonna have a tremendous amount of fun with this and you know if you hear some random noises in the background just let it just know that it's just my sound effects So yes, this podcast has definitely got a lot more fun and is going to be a lot more um, energetic, I guess. So I, I got a ton of these things and I'm super fun to to use them. But um, I know I kind of used the whole JJ Watt Peloton thing as an example, but that is something you know worth note- worth noting because the Patriots were kind of you know in the mix for a little bit. But if he doesn't want to go to the Patriots, and clearly you don't see Ne on his uh, Peloton bio, so the Patriots continue to miss out, swing and miss on top tier free agents. All right, so moving over to the Red Sox, um, they played their first spring training game yesterday. It was a loss to the Minnesota Twins, seven to six in seven innings. They are back on the uh, back on the field today against the blue jays but i do kind of want to mention a quote that chris sale said i believe a couple days ago however i'm just getting around to it obviously and in an interview for weei chris sale was asked about retiring in boston and the possibility of such and this is chris sale's exact quote quote 100 i have nowhere else to go i have nowhere else to be this place is top notch they're unbelievable and i love it here I feel comfortable here, they take care of me, and we win. That is an A1 A one quote from Chris Sale, and it's a beautiful thing because Red Sox need him. It's just straight up. The Red Sox are successful when they have a top-of-the-line ace on their staff. You can look at Pedro, you could look at Beckett, you could look at Lester, and now more recently, Chris Sale. So to see him feeling as confident as ever to stay in boston or want to stay in boston is really reassuring because obviously he has an opt-out after the end of next year where he could just opt out and move along to the next team if he wanted to but to want him to stay here is very nice it is very comforting because you know the pitching rotation has been a question mark all off season something i have ranted and raved about so i'm very excited to see that chris sale wants to stay here long term past 2021 and hopefully past his contract um on a side note we've seen um you know players have some issues with boston you know such as david price and kind of wanted to shoot himself out which i don't think he did because after winning the 2018 world series boston fans kind of liked him and you know he started to like them as well so, but before that you know there's a lot of issues with you know the boston media boston fan base and david price for a numerous of reasons and you know eventually David Price was traded but i think everyone was kind of i don't want to say question questionable about said trade but kind of iffy about it because you know he was amazing in 2018 that postseason run he was awesome for the Sox and whether it was starting or relief he did what he had to do and you know boston fans loved him for that and he loved doing it so but before that like i said he did kind of want to leave at least it seemed like so but on the other hand to see chris sale say like, no i don't want to leave at all this is where i want to be top notch we want to win we win is nice to hear so you know round of applause round of applause uh chris sale a1 quote makes me feel good inside moving on to another quote from Reds another red sox pitcher matt barnes now Maddie Backpacks has had up and down seasons for the Sox. He's been really, really good, like a top 10 pitcher at times. And then he's been a bottom of the barrel, bottom 10 pitcher at times. But overall speaking, he's a very good pitcher. But this quote that he said is very questionable, in my opinion. Now, obviously, he's talking about a former teammate, and he probably has a plutonic connection and a relationship with this player that obviously I will never have. You or me will never have. But it's still something to talk about and consider um, when you're looking at the bigger picture of things. So Matt Barnes said, quote, I think the fact that Jackie Bradley Jr. doesn't have a job right now is absolutely mind-boggling. And I think to myself, well, how so? How so? And before I go to stats, because I do love my stats, I want to purely talk about Red Sox personnel. And I know that the Red Sox signed Kike Hernandez and Marwin Gonzalez, who both can play the outfield as well. They're huge utility men and probably will get a lot of playing time out in the outfield. However, they are technically classified as infielders, so I'm going to kind of put them aside for now and just kind of focus on quote-unquote outfielders that the Red Sox have. And on this, on the other end, I'm going to also consider Andrew Benintendi into the situation because... Andrew Benintendi was just traded a couple of weeks ago and throughout the majority of the offseason. Clearly he was on the roster. Was there a potential trade in the works for a lot of the offseason? Did the Red Sox want to trade him throughout most of the offseason? Things we'll never know but in my argument I'm also going to consider that Andrew Benintendi is on this roster just for argument's sake. So looking at the Red Sox outfields going into the 2021 season like I said you would have Andrew Benintendi And if you want to replace him with um, Franchi Cordero, go ahead. JD Martinez, Hunter Renfro, uh, Jessen Rosario, Alex Verdugo, and Marcus Wilson. Those are one, two, three, four, five, six outfielders. And then if you want to throw in Kike Hernandez and Marwin Gonzalez, that is eight outfielders on your 40-man roster. Now, you also have Jaron Duran, who is, you know, up-and-coming prospect. He's going to get a lot of looks in spring training, who might find his way onto the roster to come start the season. Who knows? So, if you want to throw him in there, go ahead. There's nine. Now, Jackie Bradley Jr., from my recollection, was making around $10 million last year, and There was a big, you know, a lot of speculation surrounding the team that the Red Sox were going to trade him to shave off $10 million and not have to worry about him come free agency and all that good stuff. Red Sox ultimately decided to keep him right out the season, and I would assume that there has been no talks or speculations revolving uh, the Red Sox and JBJ in terms of a reunion. Now, I would like to point and say that, oh, well, the Red Sox have nine potential outfielders on their team, so there's really not a lot of room for Jackie Bradley Jr. And let's, like I say, let's, you know, excuse Kike and Marwin Gonzalez. So you have seven. You have Benintendi slash Cordero, J.D. Martinez, who's usually the D.H., but he'll find his way in the outfield from time to time. Hunter Renfro, who you just signed, Rosario and Wilson, who are up-and-coming prospects, and then Alex Verdugo, who's going to be your everyday outfielder as well. Plus, like I forgot, plus you have Jaron Duran who could potentially make the roster come out of spring training. So is there any room in the outfield for Jackie Bradley Jr., I ask? I mean, if you want someone who is going to give you a lot of good defense and a staple in your lineup who doesn't miss a lot of time, sure, yeah. But looking at it from the Red Sox perspective, which is you know financially and long-term, no, there isn't rosario is uh 22 years old wilson is 24 years old obviously verdugo is the big ticket from the um, moogie Betts trade so he's going to be starting either way cordero is the big ticket from the andrew benintendi trade so he'll probably be starting once he gets healthy like i said for argument's sake there was benintendi in the situation so he was going to be in left field and i always i keep saying i'm going to you know kind of slide them but you have to take this into consideration that Gonzalez and Hernandez can both play the outfield. And then, like I said, Jaron Duran. You know, he probably start the season in AAA, but the option and the potential is there for him to win an outfield spot on this team because Jackie Bradley Jr. is not there. And Jaron Duran is younger. He um, he can hit better, clearly. J.B.J., but also Duran is part of the long-term in the future, just like Rosario, Wilson, Verdugo, Cordero. Of the like now hunter renfro he was a free agent signing so you would probably assume that he'd be the fourth fifth outfielder on the team filling in here and there might be might become the starting outfielder left field center field this season who knows now with all the personnel con- chatter and all the good stuff out of the way i do kind of want to point to stats because like i do say i love my stats jbj is a phenomenal outfielder he was a top Two, top three, top five center fielder for pretty much the majority of his career, if not all of his career. When he broke into the league, I mean, he broke in in 2013, but he really started to start in 2014. Uh, excuse me. So let's just call it 2014 is when he kind of really made a name for himself, and ever since then, he was always in discussion for the Gold Glove he won it in 2018 he has an incredible arm he goes up makes insane catches um robbing home runs crashing into the wall diving sliding you name it he will attempt it and he will make it so in this argument discussion i'm going to have no negative to say about his defensive skills defensive abilities except that a lot of people were saying he was declining come the 2020 season but i'm going to kind of put that aside because i'm not going to 2020 is no one's really fault But it is what it is. I mean, he is 30 years old now, going into his age 31 season. So he is on the wrong side of 30. He's probably going to lose a step or two. So those are things to consider. But I do really want to focus on the batting because every conversation, every debate, every discussion I have with Jackie Bradley Jr. or about Jackie Bradley Jr., I should say, is he can't hit the ball. And that is true. The dude just cannot hit a baseball now you could say, oh, well, Murph, you know, during the 2018 postseason, he hit the huge home run against the Astros in one uh, CS MVP. He hit 26 home runs in 2016 and was an all-star. He had seven home runs in 2020 in this COVID-shortened season. Whoopty-freaking-do. Okay, yeah, you know what? When Jackie Bradley hits the ball, he he can hit it out sometimes. I mean, he had 21 home runs in 19. He had 26 and 16, and that's it. I'm going to go over his home run total just to kind of clarify the air. 2013, 3, 14, 1, 15, 10, 16, 26, 17, 17, 18, 13, 19, 21, uh, 27. Career total of 98 home runs. Okay. He's not that impressive at hitting home runs, guys. Calm TF down. He is not that impressive when it comes to hitting home runs. And when you really want to take into consideration, um, oh, well, he hits the ball when he connects. Well, let's see how often he really does connect. This man has a career um, slugging percentage. Let's go with slugging percentage first. Let's go with slugging percentage first. 0.412 slugging percentage. Now, if you want to go on base plus slugging, there's 0.732. Now, let's work my way backwards. On base percentage, 0.321. That's an excellent batting average right there. I mean, I'll take that any day of the week and argue that he should be back on the team. But let's look at his career batting average. Any guesses? I'm going to give you a few seconds to accumulate a couple guesses first. You know... 250, 270, 290, 300s kind of like, you know, that that, that line, that barrier like, you know, 3000 hits, 500 home runs, 300 wins, 300 average, right? It's like that milestone, that mark. Well, hopefully you got your guesses in. Um Jackie Bradley Jr.'s career batting average is .239. Yeah, point two three nine. He can't hit the ball. He can't. He straight up cannot hit the ball. Now, your argument is when he hits the ball, he hits it out. Okay, so what is he doing when he doesn't hit the ball? He is either striking out or he's just straight up sucking. And I, I don't expect him to have a 300 batting average, but you can't throw me... You can't throw it in my face saying that Jackie Bradley Jr., when he hits the ball, hits a home run. Okay, that may be true, but when he doesn't hit the ball, uh, when he doesn't hit a home run, what is he doing? Grounding out, flying out, striking out. Boom, boom, boom. He doesn't get many walks. His on-base percentage is not really that good. I mean, in comparison to his batting average, I guess you'll take almost 100 points higher. I guess. But, I mean, come on. And, yes, you could say, like, oh, we'll take the you know the offensive deficiencies for the defensive um, superiority. Okay, fine, maybe, but it comes to a time when you're watching the Red Sox and runner on first and third, second and third, bases loaded, two outs, and Jackie Bradley Jr. comes up. Now, I don't know about you, but every time I kind of call the inning over, I just I have no faith and no confidence in Jackie Bradley Jr. Now, on the rare occasion, he'll prove me wrong. But on the rare occasion, a lot of players will prove you wrong. On the rare occasion, a lot of players will either get a hit or, you know, force a walk, you know, get the ball in the gap, shoot it down the line, whatever. And Jackie Bradley Jr. is one of those players. Now, last year, COVID shortened season, he hit 283, which is the highest batting average he's had in his whole career, even the year he was an all-star. I'm pretty sure, I forget what the actual number was, but when he was selected to be an All-Star, I believe he was hitting around 300. I really believe so. In 2016, he was around 300 at the All-Star break. He finished that season 0.267. That's awful. That's really freaking awful. Now let's look at strikeouts. Um, In 2016, 143, 17, 124, 2018, 137, 2019, 155, so, it's not Aaron Judge or, you know, Gary Sanchez kind of strikeout numbers, but ugh, come on. You really think that Jackie Bradley Jr. is worth having on your team for $10 million or roughly around $10 million when you, A, you traded Mookie Betts and Andrew Benintendi in order to save um, money against the salary, you, you can even throw David Price in there as well. When you have nine potential starting outfielders for you come this season where, Three of them are very young. I guess if you want to include Verdugo, four of them are very young, but he was going to play regardless. It's just not worth it. He's on the wrong side of 30. He can't hit the ball. He can't get on base. The dude is a center fielder. He's very quick. He His reaction to the ball is tremendous, but he can't steal. He's, he doesn't steal bases. He doesn't really drive the ball. And when he does, yes, it goes out. But come on, are we really going to hope that he connects on a ball just to hit it out and call a whoopty-freaking-do? No, no, (laughs) no. He has a low ceiling at this point in his career. And honestly, I'd rather see Jaron Duran, who hasn't proven anything on the major league level, play 150 games in center field and just throw him out there than have another season of jackie bradley jr because if bradley jr was to be on the team duran would have no or little playing time now matt barnes and with his quote i'm assuming is saying just a team in general and you could argue that a team in general i pulled up here a list of all 30 major league baseball teams with their projected center fielders for the course of that season. Um, I don't really care about the projected stats. I'm just going to go with the names of the quote-unquote starters for the 2021 season that is projected for each team. So I'm not looking at projected stats. I'm just looking at the quote-unquote projected starter. Like number one, the Angels, obviously their projected starter in center field is Mike Trout. Do you? Okay, so now I'm going to play the game. Do you want Jackie Bradley Jr. over this center fielder? I'm going to go through every major league team and say, would you take... Jackie Bradley Jr. over Mike Trout, and you're going to say no. Would you take JBJ over Cody Bellinger? No. George Springer of the Blue Jays? No. Byron Buxton over the Twins? Similar player, but Byron Buxton at least hits the ball and he at least steals bases, so no. Padres, Trent Grisham? No. Um, White Sox, Luis Robert? No. Athletics, uh, Ramon Laureano? No. Yankees, Aaron Hicks? No. Alex Verdugo for the Red Sox? No. Um, Kevin Kiermaier for the Rays, similar players, very arguably. Could you take JBJ over Kevin Kiermaier? I'll give you that one. That could be a debate. But, you know, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Brandon Nimmo for the Mets, no. Kettle Marte for the Diamondbacks, no. Harrison Bader for the Cardinals. I'm going to say no because Bader can run and he's super fast and he could probably steal 40 bases if he was to get on enough so i'm gonna go with that caveat ian Happ of the cubs uh, i mean maybe probably not uh, lorenzo Kane for the brewers no but there was rumors that the brewers were interested in jbj probably as a platoon outfielder so for the meantime let's just go with no because lorenzo Kane at least can still hit the ball and he's really good in center field starling Marte for the marlins no Austin Hayes for the Orioles. I like what I see from Hayes. I think the Orioles are young. They're good. Um, So I'm not going to kind of mess that up with having a a veteran in there who can't hit. Uh, The Mariners, Kyle Lewis, obviously not. Victor Robles for the Nationals, no. Miles Straw for the Astros, um, obviously a young guy going to replace George Springer. I think the Astros kind of want to go with the youth there instead of aging Jackie Bradley Jr. But, you know, that's their decision, obviously. Nick Senzel for the Reds, no. Mauricio Dubon for the Giants no Tigers uh, Jacoby Jones Dude can't hit either, but he's young. He has a lot of potential So for now I'm gonna say no, but JBJ would be a nice platoon outfielder for that massive center field right field gap over there in Detroit so Maybe if Jacoby Jones doesn't really pan out they could kind of sign JBJ, but that's a conversation for another day Uh, Michael a Taylor for the Royals are you probably Uh, you could probably have Bradley Jr. play there and have a better performance. Whit Merrifield also plays center field for the Royals from time to time, and you're not going to replace Merrifield. But Michael A. Taylor, that is definitely one that you would probably consider replacing with Jackie Bradley Jr. But Taylor is younger. so Um, Okay, the Braves. You have um, Christian Pache, Ender Inciarte, and Ronald Acuna Jr. I think Acuna Jr. will be playing more right field this year, so I'll cross him off. Uh, Pache is younger, and Enciarte is obviously more veteran, but he can hit the ball a little bit better. I'm not putting Bradley Jr. over any of them. Cleveland Indians, Oscar Mercado, Billy Hamilton. I love Billy Hamilton, too. He is so fast, he's so fun to watch, and he's so cheeky on the bases. Um, Something Jackie Bradley Jr. is not. Overall, you could argue JBJ in Cleveland, but... What does Jackie Bradley Jr. really bring to the table for a team that's trying to go with a younger center fielder? Not that Billy Hamilton's younger, but Oscar Mercado is. Pirates, Anthony Alford, young guy, probably could have JBJ over, but the Pirates are rebuilding. They're not going to want an aging Jackie Bradley Jr. who doesn't hit the ball. Rangers, uh, Liadi Tavares, maybe, maybe. Philly, Scott Kingery, no. And the Rockies, Sam Hilliard, no. So... Those are all 32, uh, 30 MLB teams and their center fielders and who you would take Jackie Bradley Jr. over or who would you have JBJ over. And probably at the end of it, you'd probably have maybe four. I mean, let's be honest. Maybe four teams would rather have Jackie Bradley Jr. over their current outfielder in center field. But all the guys that you could argue JBJ would be better over are younger and have more potential than jbj does or they at least can steal the bases so i mean that's just where i stand with it those are my thoughts about it i could be wrong jaggy bradley could sign with the team out of you know midway through spring training right out of it when injuries come around and he could play he could play i mean like like you guys argue all the time oh when he hits the ball he hits it out okay but you know when he doesn't hit it out his average kind of blows and a lot of rebuilding teams don't want that a lot of young teams don't want that so that was my much needed uh jackie Bradley jr rant i mean i've been feeling like this for a couple years even during the 2018 season when they won the world series probably i've been feeling like this since 2017 about the dude i mean he's like i always will say phenomenal defender excellent defensive center fielder but the dude can't hit and in a day and age where hitting is so prevalent you need hitters in that lineup So, with that being said, finally had my Jackie Bradley Jr. rant. Hopefully, I don't have to go on one ever again, at least with him on the Red Sox. If he's not on the Red Sox, you won't have to hear me speak of it ever again. But, I do want to talk about one more topic before we wrap things up for Monday's episode. And that is a little bit of a rumor coming out of Foxborough. what could be brewing in belichick's office i have an idea now this is not my idea i've heard of this and i think this is something to strongly consider patriots need a quarterback correct i think we can all agree on that the jacksonville jaguars are going to be drafting trevor lawrence with the first overall pick right Who's going to be taking a back seat as the Jaguars quarterback? Gardner Minshew. Gardner freaking Minshew. So, he's proven himself to be a capable starting quarterback in the NFL. He has. Now, he's been on a crappy-ass Jaguars team, so it's hard for him to play very good when you're not really throwing it to anybody. But... You give Minshew a couple of offensive weapons, third down back, maybe a you know a tight end and a wide receiver, and I think you could have a really good quarterback with Gardner Minshew. But he sucks. Not really. Not really. Let's look at his career stats. So he played 14 games in 2019, and he played eight games in 2020 he got sat and he got benched, whatever for the tank of Palooza, obviously. So in his 23 career games as an NFL quarterback, he has 5,530 passing yards, a 63 uh, completion percentage, 37 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, he doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't. I mean, that's a. I mean, I'm not gonna do the math off my head, but that's a little bit more than like a three, you know, ratio. You know, three touchdowns to an interception. I'll take that any day of the week. I'll take that any day of the week, and that is on the Jaguars with no competition. If you put Gardner Minshew in the Patriots offense, you bring back James White. You may bring in a, a compatible tight end, Julian Edelman out there. You bring in a wide receiver, Nikhil Harry maybe takes the next step in a solid O line. And you have yourself Danger, Danger, Danger. Danger Minshew. Yes. You will have a dangerous Gardner Minshew on that team because he can scramble, he can run, and he can pass. He's gonna be a low, low, uh he's gonna have a low price. He is. I mean, there's quarterbacks out there in the free agent market that you're gonna have to pay 20, 25, even 30 million for. Dak Prescott's gonna probably want 35. Jimmy G's probably gonna want 25 to 30. Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's you know been in conversation, probably gonna want 10 to 15, which isn't terrible right there. Tyrod Taylor, you could probably get for around the same 10 to 15, which I would also like to see as the Patriots' quarterback. But if you were to go out and trade for somebody like a Jimmy G, say he doesn't get released, or if you were to trade for a Carson Wentz. And Treyford, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, whoever you want to kind of throw in there, you have to give up a lot. You have to give up a lot because they don't necessarily need to make that move because they already have the quarterback. They just want to make the move for A, the future, and B, to get a ton of draft assets right now. But with the Jaguars already locked and loaded to take Trevor Lawrence, Gardner Minshew is kind of, you know, flexible at this point for the team. Now, you could obviously have him be a very good backup, which was kind of the intended thought when the Jaguars drafted him, but he's kind of proven himself a little bit. He has. He's on a rookie deal, which is less than a million dollars. So you have him for two more years at 850000 Plus, what are the Jaguars going to really want in return? Because they're not giving up their star quarterback because they're already getting their star quarterback. And Trevor Lawrence, obviously. That is why the Patriots need to pounce on Gardner Minshew right now. Right now. Right now. They need to pounce on Gardner Minshew. Because you trade for him, you trade low. Probably like a a fourth round pick would probably do it, right? Fourth, maybe fifth. I and mean, they're not gonna ask a lot because they don't value Gardner Minshew like that, or they wouldn't be drafting Trevor Lawrence. The Jaguars have already said, no, they're not trading the number one overall pick. They're taking Trevor Lawrence, their franchise guy. If they felt any future, any hope with Gardner Minshew, they would either trade out a number one or they wouldn't take Trevor Lawrence. So Trevor Lawrence is going to be the quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Gardner Minshew is going to be riding the bench. And the Patriots need a quarterback. Might as well bring in Gardner Minshew. And if you decide to go a different direction, at least you have Minshew on the bench to back you up. Because Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer clearly aren't doing it. I think this is a win-win. I really freaking do. Low price. Uh, You won't have to give up a high draft pick. You have team control for two more years. And he's, he's proven to play. Especially on a bad team. What is there not to like about this? As a Patriots fan, what is there not to like about this? And Gardner Minshew has swagger. He's got a mustache. He's got the um the goatee. He wears jorts. He has a mullet. What more do you want from this guy? He's a cool dude. The Patriots need Gardner Minshew. They should trade for him. Unless, unless they have a plan lined up relatively soon to bring in someone else. Jimmy Garoppolo, Tyra Taylor. Um, they're not going to get Deshaun Watson. They're not going to get Russell Wilson. So you kind of cross them off the board. Gardner Minshew should be on that list. Now, if they're going to trade up and draft a quarterback, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, whoever, then okay, I can understand not wanting to dra- trade for Gardner Minshew. But if the Patriots and Belichick do not draft a quarterback in the first round, or at least trade up to draft one, and they don't trade for Gardner Minshew, I'm going to be pissed off. I will be. I will be pissed off because I'm not going to go through another off season where we dumpster dive for another Cam Newton. Now you could say, "Oh, the Patriots are going to wait and see what the um, the draft lays out, and if they don't get their quarterback, they can trade for Gardner Minshew." Well, by that point, the price could be higher because the Patriots are more desperate, and the Jaguars could be like, "Nah, f you, right?" You know, third round pick, second round pick, because I know you're desperate then Belichick's going to say, no, F that, and now we're going to have no quarterback. We're going to bring back Cam Noon, which some people want. Some people want to bring back Cam Noon, give him another chance. Me, personally, I'm not in that boat, but that's a conversation for another day. It really is. I love the Gardner Minshew idea. I'm huge on Minshew. I think he's got it. He just needs uh, a decent team around him, and I think if the Patriots can do that, which they already have the framework for, can put you right back in the AFC East competition. It can. And then you get another couple extra pieces. You build through the draft, sign a few guys, spend some money. And now you're competing for a a legitimate playoff spot. Yeah. Just let that sink in. Gardner Minshew could lead the New England Patriots to playoffs. To the playoffs, right? I'm getting chills just thinking about that. I love the dude. I think he's awesome. I'm not giving you my opinion about him with a biased perspective because this is an unbiased show, as you know. So with all that being said, everything that we talked about, the Bruins, the Red Sox, the Patriots, I want to know your thoughts. Let me know. Tweet at me, DM me, whatever, at Murphs underscore Boston ST, where the ST stands for Sports Talk. Yes, it does, Boston Sports Talk. I want to hear your thoughts about everything and everything we talked about If you're watching on youtube chuck a comment down below i want to hear your thoughts as well and if you're watching on youtube definitely throw this video a like it would be greatly appreciated and if you're new to the channel or haven't yet definitely consider subscribing if you're watching on audio only platforms thank you so much for downloading listening and enjoying it is all greatly appreciated i will catch you all in wednesdays excuse me episode on wednesday until then, have a wonderful, safe, enjoyable day today. But until then, see ya. You know how to book flights and hotels.